Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Last week on the Cherry Picking Podcast. Do you remember? In 2019, when Kansas State upset Oklahoma by a score of 48-41, to I know the Sooners haven't forgotten about that, and they definitely will be out for revenge this weekend. So I say it's a lock, but last year, Kansas State pulled off one of the biggest upsets to Oklahoma last season and, and in college football uh, overall last season. I mean, that was a huge upset. So again, that's going to be a really interesting matchup, but I think Oklahoma will take the victory this weekend. Hey everyone, it's Andre Cherry, your host of the Cherry Picking Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading another episode of my show. That soundbite you heard in the beginning was from last week's episode where I said I was going to pick Oklahoma to beat Kansas State, but you could tell I was a little cautious. I was a little nervous about that prediction because of the fact that Kansas State upset Oklahoma last year. This is now the second straight year they've upset Oklahoma and that was probably the biggest upset of the weekend. I mean, you could also say Mississippi State over LSU was a big shock as well. But what a wild and crazy weekend. It was a fun college football weekend, to be honest. I mean, it was all that craziness happened in week four of the season. It's September 27th when I'm recording this episode. But the fact that we had so many exciting matchups early on in the season, thanks to the COVID scheduling this season, it just made for some crazy, fun, exciting football this past weekend. And so on this episode, we'll dive into week four action, and then we'll also look ahead to week five. So buckle in, strap up, and let's uh, let's let's do this thing here. So this week with my Power 5 locks within the Power 5 conferences, I went 4-1 and one. These are straight-up predictions. I went 4-1. Overall, I'm 12-3, which is good for 80% accuracy. And so when we take a look at my locks for this week, for Week 4 action, in the ACC, I had Miami over Florida State. And this was a big victory for the Hurricanes. I thought it would be. You know, as I expected would happen, Miami dominated Florida State in all phases of the game in front of a Hard Rock Stadium that held 12,806 people. Miami got the victory 52-10. And this new Hurricanes offense, led by Houston transfer quarterback Derek King, looks so dynamic. As a team, the Hurricanes posted 517 total yards, and Mr. King threw for 267 yards with two touchdowns. So we had a, a really great game. He really looked, the offense looked rolling. The offense looked great. Something we haven't seen from this team in quite some time. The fact that it's so explosive and the fact that they can put up so many points very quickly in a short amount of time. So that's going to be something to watch as Miami moves forward in their ACC schedule to see if they can keep that same level of play up across the board each week. As you know, I'm not a a big fan of penalties and turnovers. And these two teams, they counted for a combined 20 penalties and five turnovers. So that's never a good thing. And certainly, you know, this is a rivalry game. So there's some penalties that are just going to be... uh, what we're going to expect out of out of a rivalry game such as this one, even though Florida State isn't the same Florida State that we're used to uh, within you know recent years history, it's still a rivalry game. These these guys still know each other. There's still bad blood 
And so, you know, it's never a good thing to have those penalties and turnovers, but I just wanted to call that out to you all. The Hurricanes defense, they were busy sacking Florida State's trio of quarterbacks who saw action in this game. They were sacked a total of six times. And former Temple standout, you know his name, Quincy Roche, he even accounted for one of those sacks and he had two tackle for losses in this game. So Mr. Roche had a, had a, a good performance for Miami this weekend against Florida State. The Seminoles, as you may know, were without its head coach, the new head coach, Mike Norvell, who tested positive for coronavirus and remained in Tallahassee under quarantine. But even if he was there, I don't think it really would have mattered. I mean, they still would have taken this beating from the Hurricanes. And so it, it didn't matter. But I hope he's recovering. I hope he's you know staying socially distant and taking all the necessary precautions now. But yeah, I think Miami would have dominated whether he was there or not. So if we take a look at the series, Miami won its fourth straight victory over Florida State, and they lead the all-time series 35-30. to The Seminoles were riding a seven-game win streak before the Hurricanes' current string of four wins. For the sake of college football and the sake of ACC football, you know I want Florida State to become relevant again. Certainly, I didn't like seeing them dominate my NC State team year, year in and year out, save for a few upsets along the way. But it means something when Miami and Florida State are playing well. And so Florida State is a team that I would hope can rebound and figure it out the rest of the season. And then certainly, you know, in the future, I really would hope Florida State can come back. But that was my victory out of the ACC, Miami over Florida State. In the Big 12, we had Baylor over Kansas. I got the victory there, no problem. Baylor beats up on Kansas by a score of 47-14. to This was Baylor's first game of the season after the first two games were canceled due to COVID reasons. Baylor running back Tristan Ebner, he had four total touchdowns, including two kickoff returns for touchdowns in this game, one of which was a 100-yard return, and then another one was nearly 100 yards. I mean, it was 83 yards, so this dude was running. And he also had one rushing and one receiving touchdown in this game. Ebner finished his day by racking up 272 total all-purpose yards. So, I mean, this young man looking like Reggie Bush out there. Reggie Bush 2.0. Kansas Jayhawks running back Puka Williams, he had a good day with all things considered. He had two touchdowns in this game. But I think the, the coolest thing about this game was the fact that Baylor decided to honor Gale Sayers during the game against Kansas this past weekend. Gale Sayers, he is a Pro Football Hall of Fame running back who played at Kansas from 1962 to 64. Sayers died earlier in the week at age 77, and the Kansas Comet had 2,675 yards rushing for the Jayhawks and was the first Division I A player with a 99-yard touchdown run in 1963 at Nebraska. So a really classy move by Baylor to honor the legacy and the life of Gale Sayers as a lifelong Chicago Bears fan growing up. Gail Sayers was somebody that I'm, I'm very familiar with, a legend in Chicago Bears history, and such a sad day last week when I got when I got the news that he had passed away. Such such sad news, but this man lived a, a very incredible life, and so I, I, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to his friends and family, anyone that knew him personally. Um, but uh, you know, a young man at 77, but a, a remarkable career and a remarkable life that he lived. So uh, rest in peace, Gail Sayers. But that was really classy move by Baylor this past weekend. And then in the Big 12, I got a loss with my prediction of Oklahoma over Kansas State. You heard it in the opening 
cut of my podcast. I predicted this last weekend, or I predicted that Oklahoma would win, but I was very cautious about that prediction because of the fact that Kansas State was able to upset Oklahoma last year. I was a little nervous that they would do it again, but I was thinking that Oklahoma would have enough anger, enough resentment in their hearts to beat Kansas State this weekend, but it wasn't meant to be. Kansas State would upset Oklahoma by a score of 38-35. to Kansas State entered this matchup as a four-touchdown underdog against Oklahoma, but was able to pull off the very impressive upset. Oklahoma was ranked number three in the AP. I mean, they were up there. They would have been in prime position for the playoffs, and it's just it's uh, very unfortunate that they lose their first game of the season against an unranked Kansas State squad. Kansas State trailed by three touchdowns in the second half, and they missed eight key players from their two-deep roster. Eight. That's insane. And they still beat Oklahoma on the road. That's insane. The win was Kansas State's first on the road over a ranked team in the top three of the AP poll. It was also their first win as an unranked team against a top three team in 30 attempts. So that's really impressive. The Kansas State Wildcats are just the fifth unranked team to beat an AP top three opponent after trailing by at least 14 points at halftime since 1936. And that's according to Elias Sports Bureau. Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler, he went 30 for 41 for 387 yards with four touchdowns. That's nice. But he also had three costly interceptions, and that's no bueno, my friends. Kansas State quarterback Skylar Thompson, he threw for 334 yards with one touchdown, and he also had three touchdowns rushing. So that's really impressive. Kansas State, they had no turnovers in this game, but OU committed four costly turnovers to the Kansas State defense. So hats off to that K-State defense. And one thing that I never like to see in a game is penalties. I don't like to see penalties that are excessive. So the fact that Kansas State and Oklahoma accounted for 23 penalties for close to 200 total yards, that's that's no good. That's just, that's no good. But hats off to Kansas State. They get the very impressive victory over Oklahoma, who will need to now regroup and figure out where they go from here. That's a really demoralizing loss at home. Number three ranked OU will certainly drop in the AP poll. We'll see how far they drop and if they're able to come back. Certainly, they've got an opportunity in the Big 12 with their schedule remaining to win out and to win the, the Big 12. But I'm really thinking that it's Texas's season this year. And we'll see you know, how Oklahoma can regroup and kind of figure out where to go from here. But again, hats off to Chris Kleiman and his Kansas State Wildcats with the impressive victory. Unfortunately, it's a loss for me with my Power 5 locks, but... Next week, I'll try to get it right. Then in the SEC, we had Georgia over Arkansas. Georgia gets a victory 37-10. to It wasn't a pretty game. It was not a pretty game at all, but Georgia laid 22 points on the Razorbacks in the third quarter to secure the victory. Florida transfer quarterback, if you remember his name, Felipe Franks, if you remember him, he didn't have a great day for his new team. He went 19 for 36 for 200 yards and one touchdown, but he had two interceptions, so... Not a really, not a good game at all. Not a good game at all. These two teams committed a total of five turnovers, and they were penalized a total of 22 times for a combined 161 yards. I'm almost wondering if these penalties are due to the fact that they haven't really had much of a chance to prepare for college football season amid COVID. And and I know that the offseason has kind of been 
not normal for for lack of better term or lack of better word but i wonder if these teams are able to use this first game of the season as a way to kind of work through some things and then to figure it out and to get on the right path but again i don't like turnovers i definitely don't like penalties because to me that's a sign of undisciplined play and so again i'm wondering if it's due to the fact that they haven't had that much time to really prepare for the season just that's just my thought but I get the victory there in the SEC, Georgia over Arkansas by a score of 37 to 10. Then in the SEC, my fourth lock for this week, I had number 10 AM over Vanderbilt. However, it was a really close game. It was 17 to 12 would be the final score. This game was a little too close for comfort, but the Aggies were able to hold on for the victory. The A&M defense was able to shut out the Commodores in the fourth quarter to win the game. But A&M quarterback Kellen Mond, he went 17 for 28 for 189 yards and one touchdown. I get the victory, but A&M is going to have to play a lot better this upcoming weekend against Alabama if it expects to remain undefeated. So I get the victory there in the SEC. And so that brings my overall total to 4-1 and one for this weekend. I'm going to try to go 5-1 and one this upcoming weekend in Week 5 action. And so why don't, why don't we get into my Power 5 locks for Week 5 action right now. So in the ACC, I'm taking UNC over Boston College. I think UNC will get the victory. BC survived a scare against Texas State in Week 4 action. But even despite that fact, I think this will still be a very close and competitive game this weekend. But overall, I'm taking UNC. In the ACC, again, I'm taking Virginia Tech over Duke. Virginia Tech should roll Duke pretty pretty big, pretty easily in this game. I think it was an impressive win against NC State, my beloved Wolfpack. Despite the fact that they were down 23 players, 23 players due to COVID, including their starting quarterback, and they still put up 500 yards of total offense against NC State, and they were able to win the game in such convincing fashion. They beat NC State by a score of 45-24. to I think Virginia Tech is going to be just fine this year in the ACC, and I think they'll be just fine against Duke. And that's that's just so crazy. They were missing 23 players. So they're going to beat Duke this upcoming weekend. And then my lock out of the Big 12, I'm taking Oklahoma State over Kansas. I'm looking forward, honestly, to seeing Chuba Hubbard get back to form Through two games this season, the junior running back has only racked up 194 yards on 49 carries with two touchdowns. And I say only because this dude is a beast. Last year, he led all rushers in FBS. This guy is an All-American. This dude is a legit G. And so through the first two games of last season, if we take a look at it by comparison, Hubbard had already accounted for 34 attempts, 265 yards, rushing, and four touchdowns. So I'm hoping that this guy can get his legs back and and get that confidence back and that he can dominate Kansas this upcoming weekend. So OK State over Kansas out of the Big 12. Then in the SEC, I'm going to take Florida over South Carolina. I'm looking forward to seeing Gators quarterback Kyle Trask have another dominating performance this week against the Gamecocks. Last week, the quarterback threw for over 400 yards with six touchdowns. Then this dude was balling out. He removed any doubt that he could be the man in his first season as the day one starter. So hats off to Florida Gators, hats off to Kyler Trask, and I'm looking forward to a victory this weekend, the Gators over the Gamecocks. Then in the SEC, my final lock of the weekend, I'm going to take LSU over Vanderbilt, simply because LSU is going to beat the brakes off of Vandy this weekend after that loss they suffered in week four against Mississippi State. We'll get into it 
on the second half of the podcast, but LSU is going to win big over Vandy. Book it. So this week I'm going to go 5-0 and for Week 5 action in the ACC. UNC over BC. Virginia Tech over Duke. In the Big 12, OK State over Kansas. Then in the SEC, Florida over South Carolina. And then LSU over Vanderbilt. So those are my locks for this weekend. Let's get 5-0 and right. These are straight-up predictions, and so these are my picks. Hopefully, they can be your picks. Hopefully, you watch those games because it'll be fun. So right now, we're going to take a little break. After the timeout, we'll get into a recap of Week 4 action. It was exciting. It was wild. It was zany. And then we'll talk about a few other topics on the second half of this podcast. But don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Stay right there. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. <laughs> they would do it that's like good that. okay cool so um, who says what so i'm Word saying podcast. you say that so i'm saying five beth four three two one what? hey there i'm dave i'm beth and i'm veronica and we are the happy hour we're a podcast dedicated to the most decorated NHL franchise of all time, the Montreal Canadiens. A casual listen by Habs fans for Habs fans. We have new episodes every week, so have a listen. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. On the first half of the podcast, I went through my Power 5 locks for week four, also previewed week five. On this side of the break, I'm going to talk about a few games that had my interest. There were a few exciting matchups this weekend, some huge upsets. And so I want to get into it with you all on this side of the of the break. Then we'll also preview some games in Week 5 action that you should be glued to this weekend. Because we've got some serious ball, folks. The non-conference schedules have gone away for this COVID scheduling. So we're getting some real football in Week 4 of the season. This seems almost unheard of. And we're getting some real games in September. And so let's let's just dive right in. This past weekend, the Kentucky versus Auburn matchup. Number three, Kentucky versus number eight, Auburn. Auburn holds on to get the victory 29 to 13. But don't let the score fool you. This was a two-point game through the end of the third quarter. So it was very much Kentucky's ball game. It was very much within their reach. Auburn scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to hold on for the victory. Auburn's quarterback, Bo Nix, who seems like he's been there forever, and maybe that's just me, but he seems like he's been there like a long-ass time. He threw for 233 yards and three second-half touchdowns to secure the victory. And right before halftime, Auburn had a 100-yard interception return called back due to targeting. And I was watching at this point in the game, Kentucky was driving for a touchdown that would have put them up. Uh, it would have been 13-8. to with the touchdown and I was watching I was watching the Kentucky Wildcats drive and then I put my head down maybe for like less than 20 seconds and then I look back up and then I'm seeing Auburn run off for a 100-yard interception return. It was exciting, it was it was crazy. The fans who were in the stands were excited as well. The team was celebrating in the end zone 
and then it gets called back due to targeting. Gus Malzahn, who was all dressed up, he was wearing a, a shirt and tie. He was furious. He was upset, and rightly so. I mean, that would have been a huge, huge difference maker in this game right before halftime, but it gets called back. And it, it kind of sucks for Kentucky, though, because they were driving for the touchdown. It would have been right before halftime. I'm thinking Kentucky's very much in this game. And then that interception happens, but then the interception gets called back. So it was it was pretty crazy. It was, again, the most exciting point in the game for me. But, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And even without the interception, the Auburn defense did force three turnovers from the Wildcats offense. So the defense was busy for Auburn, but it was one hell of a game. Auburn gets the victory 29 to 13. And if you remember on my podcast from last week, I was saying this would be a game to watch out for this weekend because Kentucky has been playing ball these last few seasons. Under Coach Stoops, this team has looked a lot different than the Kentucky team that I know. This is not your brother's Kentucky team where they are an easy victory for most SEC opponents. This I knew Kentucky would ball in this game, and they did. And I think there's opportunity and room there for them to improve from this loss and, and try to grow and, and try to be a better team in week two or week five. Uh, but um, I knew it would be a close matchup. And I you know, I think if you watch this game, you were probably probably pleased with the effort for the most part. I mean, certainly don't want turnovers if you're a Kentucky Wildcats fan. And I think those are things you can correct. But the fact that they were in this game for three quarters of this matchup tells you that Kentucky is knocking on the door like they're they're right there they're a team that could could really do something if they can just keep grinding out and keep uh keep battling but you know very impressive win for Auburn and again this is a real deal game that we get in week four of the season two ranked opponents in the AP poll and Auburn lives to see another day then still in the SEC we had number six LSU Versus Mississippi State. Can you believe it? LSU lost. The reigning national champions lost to Mississippi State by a score of 44-34. to LSU just couldn't slow down Mike Leach's air raid offense. So Mike Leach brings this explosive offense all the way from Washington State to Mississippi State. And they just, they looked impressive. Stanford transfer quarterback. K.J. Costello, he was busy as hell on Saturday. He completed 36 of 60 attempts for a total of 623 yards with five touchdowns and two interceptions. Three of his favorite targets averaged a total of 154 yards apiece, with the longest reception being 75 yards to Kylan Hill. Costello's passing yardage in his first game with the Bulldogs eclipsed the 544 yards Georgia's Eric Zire had against Southern Miss in 1993 to set the SEC record. So this young man was balling out, putting up crazy stats against LSU, ranked number six, the reigning national champions. This dude's balling out. He threw for over 600 yards. That's insane to me. That is crazy. That is absolutely silly. And if you can believe it or not, I mean, with all the yards through the air, Mississippi State only rushed for a total of nine yards and won this game. Usually... When you're seeing and you're you're comparing stats of teams, especially in the SEC, teams that can control that ground game, the teams that are putting up over 100 yards rushing, you know they can control the tempo of the game. But you know, hell with rushing for Mississippi State. I mean, they threw it out, and I think LSU had like 80 yards rushing or something like that. 
but the fact that MSU only had nine total yards was it that's insane. Nine yards. Mississippi State was able to overcome four turnovers in this game and still held on to the victory, which is wild. Four turnovers. The Mississippi State defense was busy though as well. They had seven sacks on the new LSU quarterback, Miles Brennan. This young man threw for 345 yards with three touchdowns, but he had two costly interceptions, which would seal the fate for LSU. And LSU, the reigning national champions, they become the first defending national champion to lose its opening game since Michigan did it in 1998 at Notre Dame. So that's that's a long, long time, folks. And Mississippi State gets the victory. I I didn't honestly think that they would be able to beat LSU. But Mike Leach is having one hell of a start to his SEC career as a head coach. And so hats off. I mean, hats off to KJ Costello. You know, didn't really have a a good end uh, to his career at Stanford, I would say. I mean, it seemed pretty lackluster there. But the fact that he transferred in to, to Mississippi State and is able to get a very impressive victory over the defending national champions. He threw for damn near 625 yards with five touchdowns. I mean, that's that's a really impressive performance, and that was a great matchup. That That's awesome. Then we I want to kind of hop down to the Big 12, and we had the number eight Texas Longhorns versus Texas Tech Red Raiders. This one was a barn burner, folks. Texas holds on to get the victory 63-56. to This game went to overtime where quarterback Sam Ellinger threw a 12-yard touchdown pass to receiver Joshua Moore to secure the victory. Ellinger threw five touchdowns in this game, but he did have one interception. He also rushed for one touchdown, so this young man had six total touchdowns for the Longhorns, and they needed all those touchdowns. His favorite target was Longhorns receiver Joshua Moore, who caught five balls for 73 yards with three touchdowns. And the Longhorns had to rally back and score two touchdowns in the final three minutes of regulation in order to take the team to overtime. And so I, I honestly thought all hope was lost. I think I sent it. I did send a, send a text out or sent a tweet out that said the Big 12 probably played itself out of the college football playoffs this weekend because I I figured that Texas was going to lose. There was no way that they're going to score two touchdowns in three minutes to take it to overtime. But boy, was I wrong. Sam Ellinger, he told us Texas was back like two seasons ago. The fact that they were able to to come back in this game and, and go to overtime and get the victory, that's a very impressive victory, very impressive win, especially considering the fact that Oklahoma lost this past weekend which is going to drop them down in the AP poll. Texas will probably move up a spot or two. So Texas is in prime position. I said it a few podcasts ago that this could be the season for Texas. They, If they have all the pieces there, if they can put it all together, Texas is in a prime spot to try and win the Big 12 this year and go to the college football playoffs. First time ever since the inception of the playoffs. So Texas is in a good spot, a very good victory for them. And so they live on to see another day. The one thing I did want to point out, the fact that Texas committed 10 penalties for a total of 100 yards, so that doesn't help. Um, And they also turned the ball over twice. Uh, Texas Tech had three turnovers in this game, and you've heard me say it before, penalties and turnovers, that's an equalizer of talent. 
And so I think that's why this was very much a ball game for four quarters plus. But Texas is able to hold on, get the victory. They live to see another day. And so those are some exciting games. Those are some exciting matchups. And you heard my recap for the Oklahoma Sooners game versus Kansas State. So, I mean, we had a handful of upsets this past weekend. And so it's going to be crazy to see what happens the rest of the season. I mean, it's just, this is so crazy to me that we're getting real football in at the end of September. And the fact that we got some real matchups that really will shake up the AP poll, this will no doubt be a trend the rest of the season forever, for however long it, it remains this season. The fact that we've got these real games early on in the season, we're going to see a lot of parody. We're going to see a lot of teams moving spots. And it's going to be a fun, 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 fun hustle to the end of the season, which will then eventually lead us to the college football playoffs. So if we get to that point, I mean, assuming that COVID stays under control and that the teams and the conferences can continue playing this season, I think it's going to be really interesting. We're going to have a lot of parity. And so who knows who will make it to the playoffs. But this is a was a really great weekend. It was a really... It was really great to have the SEC back. And so I'm excited for the rest of the season. I'm excited for next week. I mean, we got some real football coming up next week, and I'll hop into it right now. And so here are some of the games that I'll be really glued to this weekend. I think you should be watching them as well. And we'll start off with number 10, Texas A&M versus number 2, Alabama. Alabama has won the last seven matchups between A&M by an average of 22 points per game. And... I'm not as convinced that this will be a close matchup this week. I, I think due to the fact that Texas A&M kind of looked sluggish, didn't look like the, an A&M team that I'm used to seeing recently under G- Jimbo Fisher in their matchup against Vandy this past weekend. They barely survived to win that game. And so they're going to need a lot more effort this week if they expect to be number two Alabama Bama's on a mission, folks. Bama is not going to stop this season. I think they're going to be a team probably in the playoffs, if I'm being honest. I mean, if they can continue on their mission like they always do each season. I mean, this is a national championship type team again this season. And after their impressive uh, week four victory over Missouri, I think they're going to be rolling into forward motion here the rest of the way. They got the victory this past weekend, 38 to 19 over Missouri. Just to give you some stats here real quick. Mac Jones, the quarterback for Alabama, he threw for 18 for 24 attempts, 249 yards with two touchdowns. One of his favorite targets was Jalen Waddell, who had 134 yards receiving on eight caught balls for two touchdowns. And running back Najee Harris, he had about almost 100 yards with three touchdowns. So this offense looks rolling. The defense is pretty solid as well. So, I mean, Texas A&M, they're going to have to step up big time if they expect to make it competitive against Alabama. But I, I don't know that they will. But I think there's significance to call it out because it's a top 10 matchup. Number 10, Texas A&M versus number 2, Bama. And then in the SEC, another exciting matchup will be number 8, Auburn versus number 4, Georgia. This will be the 124th meeting between these two teams. Georgia is 12-3 and in the series since 2006. And the last three meetings have been decided by an average of 15.6 points. So it should be an exciting matchup. That that should be a really good game. I'm excited for number eight, Auburn, versus number four, Georgia. 
Auburn gets the victory over Kentucky. And uh, Georgia, they got a, a really impressive victory this past weekend as well against Arkansas. So those are two games out of the SEC that I think will have my attention. I think those are going to be some exciting matchups. I hope you guys watch them. And, uh, and yeah, so it should be a fun Week 5 weekend. Really, the big news that I wanted to talk about was the Pac-12 is coming back. Same with the MAC Conference is coming back. And so it looks like we're going to have college football back into the fold at full speed, at full strength in a few weeks here. So the MAC Conference, they were actually the first conference to decide to cancel or postpone the season. And so they initially said that they were going to play spring ball. And so it's been like two months since they made that decision. They were the first FBS conference to to cancel fall sports. The MAC has now become the last conference to reinstate football for the 2020 season. So the decision to return was unanimous. They had a vote this past Friday. And with that, all 10 FBS conferences will play a season in the fall of 2020. The conference play for the MAC conference will begin on Wednesday, November 4th with the six-game conference-only schedule with the conference championship game being held either on Friday, December 18th, or Saturday, December 19th. And this is all coming from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg. The MAC teams will probably only play on weeknights for the month of November, which is pretty consistent with what they typically do during college football season. They usually play like on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights and stuff like that. So they're going to play during the weeknights for the month of November before switching to a Saturday schedule in December. So that should be something to look out for. The Pac-12 made a decision recently to come back and and enter into uh, FBS action for this season. And so uh, I think the Mountain West as well. So again, everybody's getting back up to full speed here. And everybody's excited to try to play football and I just hope that it's done safely I hope that the players are being looked after I hope that the players are being tested and the coaching staffs are being tested so I just I think football certainly can happen if the proper protocols are in place and so we will see as we move forward into the fall and and into into the winter months if football can really be in our lives the entire 2020 season Certainly is a big hope for a lot of a lot of people. So we'll see, you know, how they can kind of move forward in this new COVID uh, future here. But that's exciting news if you're a college football fan that we're going to have college football back in the fold here. The Pac-12 will be coming back pretty soon, along with the Big Ten. So it's that's pretty pretty exciting stuff. And we've already had some pretty exciting games with the conference-only format. And so it's been competitive. It's been awesome. And honestly, I'm in favor of moving to this type of scheduling in the future. Meaning if you're going to play games, maybe not FCS opponents, maybe play one or two non-conference games. But for the most part, having the conference action start close to the beginning of the season has been really rewarding, has been really exciting. And I think it will introduce a lot of parity into the standings each week. And so I'm excited for a football season that, you know, we really don't know who the clear number one will be. Or if we do, they really have to earn it because they're playing against conference-only opponents. And so it's, it's been exciting thus far. And so I can't wait for this upcoming weekend. It should be great. And then once the Big Ten is back, that'll no doubt be awesome as well. You know, so... I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Hopefully it can can 
proceed on without any sort of big issue. But the one thing I wanted to call out, since we are talking about the COVID-only, conference-only scheduling, it is also important to call out that entering into last Saturday, there were more than 20 games that had been postponed or canceled, many of them coming from the group of five ranks. So we are seeing an impact. Uh, we're seeing the impact that COVID has on the game, meaning games are being canceled each week. But until we see a, a big resurgence of this virus, I think college football will remain in place right now until it, it becomes uncontrollable or, or the protocols that they have in place aren't working to slow down the spread. And so it's just going to be something to keep your eyes on as we move forward. But right now, it looks like they're able to, for the most part, they're able to play. And so, uh, you know, that's that's got to be exciting if you're a college football fan. So with that, thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm going to sign off. I'm going to sign out of here. But before I go, I just wanted to call out to you all. This is not a political podcast by any means, but we are heading to uh, an election here very soon. Within 36 days, we will have the election, which seems pretty pretty soon here to me. But if you're registered, that's great. If you're not registered, please go to vote.org to find out how you can become registered. And this is just my little PSA to let you all know that you still have time to register, but it's done by state. So you have to go to vote.org to see you know if you still have time or when you're going to run out of time to vote for this upcoming general election. So I just wanted to call that out there and throw that out there. Go get registered and, uh, and vote in 36 days. But uh, with that, I'm going to sign off and I'm going to sign out. Thank you all for listening to this podcast episode today. Hope you had fun. Hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you have a great week. And I hope you have a, a fun, exciting weekend. Staying COVID free. Staying socially distant. Wash your hands. Wash your feet. Put lotion on your legs and on your elbows. And uh, have fun this upcoming weekend watching college football. Week 5 is going to be awesome. I can't wait for some of these matchups this weekend. But uh, if you want to reach out to me, you know where to find me. I'm at Twitter, at Cherry underscore Pickin. And uh, reach out, holler at me if you want to. But uh, with that, I'm going to sign off and sign out. Thank you all. Talk to you soon. Take care. Peace. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Pickin' podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website, cherrypickinsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.